Welcome to Vino 101, episode 53. All right, welcome to Vino 101. I'm Bill. Hello, everybody. It's Al. We've had a little bit of a break. Uh, Bill, I know you've been busy through the holidays. I hope everyone appreciates that. I've been busy. A little bout with the flu. Got that over with, so I'm good for the rest of the year. Um, Bill, I know you've had a little something, too, so uh, we're getting all that out of the way. So we can uh, continue on and uh, enjoy life with our families. That's for sure. Yeah, it, you know, on 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 uh, mine was all consumption related, <laughs> food poisoning. So yeah. it's uh, but yeah, it got in the way of us getting together. So that um, it's never fun um, to to uh, to to have a. Uh, to about of any kind of these sicknesses where you're you know you're just down for for a couple of days so um but you know made it through the holidays so happy holidays i don't think we've we've put something out since the holidays yeah no we haven't we've been uh suspiciously uh absent is uh we've got i've gotten a few notes on that like uh, hey when you guys are you guys another... still alive <laughs> yeah well, you know we're alive via via Twitter, so at least I'm alive. Yeah, you're out, Alice. Alice, Alice, out. I could be MIA for decades, and we'll never know. <laughs> um, but we well, uh, we were talking that we're going to do a um, uh, a little bit different this time, and start off with uh, talking about some wine recommendations. Yeah, and the the reason why we're flipping it up is that. Um, there's really been a lot of stuff going on um, uh, geopolitically, um, climate-wise, and I know that once we get into those subjects, uh, you know, there's just no telling. We're gonna have somehow have to cut ourselves off. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. But uh, I do have a couple of um, really good recommendations. These wines you can find now, but they're gonna go really quickly. Uh, ones of um, they make a, a fair amount of it, this first one, but um, I discovered it at um, the Gambaro Rosso last, uh, the Trevi Carry tasting uh, last year. And one of the nice things about going to those tastings is you, you get to taste some of the creme de la creme and you get the heads up before it comes out. So when you taste these wines, typically um, they're not even on the market yet. So you have to have the patience and the, the, the forethought to, to look for them as soon as they come out. And typically, they go pretty quickly. So this first wine, can you see this label, Bill? You know, I'm not seeing your camera at all. Uh-oh. Yeah, let's see here. Let me see if I can uh, rectify that. That's Al's. Um, that's my technology. Not so good. There, I can now. You're back? Okay, all right, good. Sorry about that. This is, um, the wine's called um, Pico Macario, and that's uh, P-I-C-O-M-A-C-C-A-R-O-I-O. Um, and uh, in bold, it says uh, Labignone. Labignone is, um, is the name of one of the farmhouses that was on the property. But this is a, a Barbera d'Asti. This wine hails from um, Pimante, which is in uh, north northwest Italy, and um, it's maybe an hour. The winery itself is maybe an hour um, south 
southwest of the town of Asti. So it's made from the Barbera grape and it's from, Dasti means Barbera of Asti. It's owned by a couple brothers, um, Pico and uh, Vitaliano. And they've, um, they started the brand. This is like a new, this is a new uh, creation. They started the brand just really 23 years ago. They started it in 1997. And it's like, um, it's almost, it looks, you know, there's a lot of videos online. You can go online and um, most of it's in Italian, but you can go online and you can kind of get an idea of what the winery's like. I haven't visited there, but seeing uh, the landscape, um, I definitely want to get to that area. Um, Barbera Asti is, is kind of right in the middle of the zone, so to speak. Um, the Barola, the Barola region is uh, just south of that. Um, um, the Barbaresco region is just north. It's just, it's like right in the zone of some of uh, the most prestigious wines that are made in Italy, um, Barolo and Barbaresco. Uh, this is a big operation, <laughs> and when I mean when I mean big, they um, they own uh, seventy hectares, which is. Uh, what is that? That's 100 and 160, 170 acres. It's a big operation. Um, they do. Um, it's uh, it's all it's it's from uh, the brand is actually from the town of uh, Mambaruzzo. Mambaruzzo. That's fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's 100 uh, percent Barbera. Um, and on the label, they've got a, you can look on the label, Bill, you see like a little rose there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, this right is an there. interesting thing. It's a rose, and then there's also a rose that's embossed. And what they've discovered is, you know, back in the day, uh, um, vineyard growers would plant roses at the end of each row. The reason for that was that if there was any type of uh, mold or mildew, that was going to attack that area and actually be in that zone, the roses would show the effects of that before the vines. So it was an early indicator for the for the wine grower to say, oh, shoot, there's some mold going on. I need to get out there and spray and, and take care of this so you could get a heads up. So, but what they found um, just recently is this rose that they have planted has, at, at the, in their vineyard, it has... Um, it's changed, morphed, uh, it's adapted to the environment, so to speak. And it's a carnivorous rose. Now, I've never seen this before, but if you go online, you could just what? go on uh, YouTube and you can see they have these roses that actually eat the bugs that fly around in the vineyard. They have this pollen that they secrete uh, and it attracts the harmful <laughs> predators that are in, and these roses eat the bugs. It's really cool. Awesome. So this wine is, um, what's nice about this wine is it doesn't see any wood. So it's 100% Barbera, um, has a deep uh, purple color, um, uh, the aromas of uh, purple flowers, uh, violets, red cherries, palettes very, very rich, it's, uh, red and black cherry flavors. Uh, it has very soft tannins, and Barbera in general can have can be a pretty high acid wine, so it does go through a little uh, uh, malolactic, I believe, which is a way of softening uh, the acidity. And um, 
it's medium body that's got good length and a really savory finish. There's n it's available now on the market and it's anywhere from 13 to 15 bucks a bottle smoking. Wow. Really that good sounds, value. yeah. Um. So I would, um, recommend that you, uh, where did get, you get that at? Uh, I special ordered it from uh, bottle barn. Okay. So they don't, uh, they don't have it. Actually, it's 138 acres. I'm looking on their site right now. Sorry about that. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I got it from Bottle Barn, and it was I got it for less than that because I bought a case. But um, you can get it online. Actually, I, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, it's 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 reasonably available right now because it is a 2017. You still there? It. It's thirteen and a half percent alcohol, so it's not going to kill you. Um, really nice wine, highly recommended. Sounds like it. The next wine I have to uh, recommend is this wine, and I'm sure you're familiar with this label. Oh. It's uh, Parducci's True Grit Petite Syrah. Oh. So this one's a little bit out of left field. Most people aren't familiar with Petite Syrah; they're familiar with Syrah. Uh, Petite Syrah. Uh, this fruit is from Mendocino County, and the Parducci's have been in the wine business forever. The winery, if you drive north on 101, it's on the left-hand side just after you leave, you're leaving Ukiah. And uh, it was established in 1931 uh, by... Um, it reminds me of like old school Gallo, even to yeah, this day. Yeah, yeah, the label and everything. <laughs> yeah, they, so, and like they had that they, sign where like Parducci got, I guess the P was big and the... And the rest of the name got smaller on a big billboard. I remember that maybe way back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Well, Parducci, when they started out, their thing was um, they made um, this True Grit, especially this True Grit um, label. One of the things that Parducci did, that this is going back 20, 30 years, was uh, they were all about the fruit. So they would crush um, uh, whatever it was, if it was Zinfandel, Petit Syrah, Chardonnay, French Columbard, whatever it was. They never put any wood on it. So you really got to taste what the varieties are like. Whenever you add wood, it's like, you know, Wait, it's like that... adding uh, uh, some uh, accents to your, uh, I guess my, my the best way I can put it is if you have uh, tomatoes and you, you make a little tomato sauce, you try the tomato sauce before you add anything to it, add a little salt, you know, you add a little oregano, it starts to change the flavor of the tomato sauce. And that's what happens when you add wood or you put wine in wood barrels. You're actually, you know, you're adding flavors. Isn't that just natural so they bottled, wine then? Yeah, so they bought a lot of a lot of wines without um, without putting them in barrels. And uh, it saves on the cost of the wine. So the wines consequently were a really good value because they didn't worry about the wood aging. They were just always in stainless steel and they bottled it and then you got it. Uh, this wine is... 30 bucks at the winery, it's 16 to 18 bucks on the open market. I got it at Costco, and I don't remember the price, but I bet you it was probably only like 13, 14 bucks. That's funny because when you showed me the label, I'm like, boy, I've seen that label before. Now I remember yep. that was at Costco. And you said 14? Yeah, I think 13, 14 bucks. Wow, is about they must it's... just be moving a ton of that wine. 
How much wine? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go back today because uh, well, I'll get into the flavors. It's it's got a deep, um, inky, um, uh, black uh, color to it, which is pretty common for Petit Syrah. That's one of the things. It's a it's yeah. a, a dark dark grape. Uh, it's um it's aromas. It's kind of a little bit closed down. The aromas is all about black fruit, and there's just a, like a little hint of vanilla when you smell it. But on the palate, you really get that black fruit vanilla. It's got chalky tannins. It's really chewy. Uh, some pepper spice and just a, like a little hint of smoke. Um, it's 100% estate grown, so it's all Mendocino fruit right around uh, the winery there. The wine is really full-bodied, and it's got a nice long finish. Uh, it's all Petite Syrah, and it's aged, I think, almost 50-50 in American and French oak. Um it's vegan, so there's no monkeying around with the wine. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that just makes you laugh. <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, I mean, it's true. They're, they're, it's not manipulated in any way. It's Shout honest, out to millennials. Fine. It's vegan, safe wine, <laughs> safe, humane too. <laughs> no animals um, were hurt in the making of the wine that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This is a wine to buy now. Um, um, it's at a great price. You can drink a few bottles and then save as many as you can and drink it five years from now. And you'll be the winner at any dinner party that you go to. Cause I mean, wine geeks would love this. They'd be like, wow, this is something. What else. is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, the reason this wine is around is that, um, John Perducci, uh, was, uh, quite the marketer. And then back in 1973, hit the Wayback Machine, he convinced um, the California Teachers Association to uh, invest in his winery, and that helped him update the winery and expand its marketing presence. And um, it's still in family hands today. Wow, that was a genius move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, that is um, uh, definitely a buy. Um, you need to get on it right away. I don't. I haven't looked on the internet to see where it's available. I know they make a fairly good amount of it, but you know, like I said, if Costco got a hold of it, so it's gonna go pretty quickly, probably, yeah. as you say. Yeah. Well, and the other so thing. I'll stop there. I'll stop there. There is another wine that I'll I'll post about. Um, this is a Domaine Beaumistral. It's a Rasto. I can you Rasto is you, um yeah okay. It's a Cote de Rhone. Uh, it's from, from the Cote de area, but it's been elevated in status, and that's why they have Resto on there. It's old vine wine. It's ridiculously good. I'll I'll post all the the what? info on it. It's um it's only available at one place that I could find on the internet, oh. and that's the Wine Exchange in so in SoCal, and it's at fifteen bucks. I would buy a case of this if you're a Rhone lover. It's, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I don't know even how they even sell that. <laughs> I don't even know how they sell it at $15 a bottle. But, um, 15? I got it. You're saying 15? And I got yeah. it for about that from Last Bottle Wines, which is um, a, a flash site that I may have mentioned before. But I'm just a real lover. But it's it's the real deal. And I'll, you know, we got so much other stuff to cover. I'll uh, post a little bit about this uh, later on. Right on. Let's talk uh, wine news. Hey, I got one reco that I picked up um, over the holidays, um, which What's is a, which is a true champagne. It's a, right. a, a um, it's a lay. Um, I'll always say this name wrong. A Mesnil. 
Can you see the? Can you see that? I don't know how big that's coming out. Ooh. Yeah, I. Yeah, I see it. A I can't read the. Um, see if I can make this a little. Uh... Oh yeah, so it's from Ambane. Uh, yeah. Um, and made famous by Krug. So, and it's from um, it's from the village that uh, wow that's weird I don't know why that oh you're picture in picture it's from the village that's the get rid uh, of that. what's that let me get rid of that for you yeah. no that's fine it's from the village where um, Chardonnay's most famous in Champagne and it's really true to type in terms of the um, uh, a Blanc to Blanc so you know green apple brioche um, uh, 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 on the on your uh, on the tongue and the finish the finish is almost um, it, it's almost like bubbly syrup it was um, uh, it was amazing and but also light it it um, it drank like an 80 to 125 dollar bottle of champagne and it was 31 dollars highly recommend oh wow where'd you get that yeah, bottle barn bottle barn bottle what's barn, a blanc yeah. de blanc though what what is that it's a blanc de blanc what does that mean oh all chardonnay grapes okay yeah. all chardonnay grapes um but yeah i can't say enough good things about it it was a big hit <laughs> It's one of those where you open it up and you wish you had more. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'll be looking for that because I need some more bubbly. And I think maybe it's it. Tattinger started this thing. I when when I will uh, I will post a picture of the bottle and I'll also post the background on the winery and the wine. I think it's from a producer that uh, one of the famous producers, big producers that people know about. Okay. There's the true grit, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, uh, what else you got? Um, the only other – I had a couple of other things for the holidays, but I will say them for later. They will, They always stick around, but they're always good crowd pleasers, and they're um, uh, very reasonably priced sparkling wines from other regions, one in France and one in Italy. But we'll do that in another time. Okay. Well, as far as news goes, let's uh, let's start out with the new gadget. I know you probably this is something that I'm looking forward to coming out. I mean, as far as gadgets go, there's always gadgets for um, uh, saving wine, preserving wine. You know, there's always like a new gadget coming out. But this one definitely has piqued my interest, and I don't know if it's because of the uh, extremely attractive young lady that's promoting it. Yeah. Or if it's just the gadget itself, it could be it could be either or. But yeah, that's going to help sell some of these units if they keep putting that picture out. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, but this is <laughs> this is from uh, Silicon Valley thermal engineering specialist Matrix Industries, and it's a drink cooler. Not a big deal. You think drink cooler? Well, there's all kinds of things around there, but this drink cooler is special because it has. Um, what do they call it? Uh, it has reverse microwave technology. <laughs> what a great! Uh, it's 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 RMT, Bill. 
It's yeah. got RMT, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, but it's a gadget that's capable of chilling a full size bottle of wine to 50 degrees Fahrenheit in just three minutes. What's not to like about that? So, I mean, we were having dinner last night and I took over a bottle of Chardonnay and we had to stick it in the fridge for like, I don't know, 30 minutes or whatever to get it at the right temperature. This would have been nice and handy. We could have got to that bottle a little bit faster. So it's a reverse microwave uh, technology uh, thing. It looks like it's gonna come out. They're, they're expecting uh, the device to come out in October. Your thoughts, Bill? My first thought was, every bottle you you chill must have to be open obviously because <laughs> there could be no metal on it what happens if there's like foil on the label yeah you're going with the the microwave aspect of it yep um well in the photo it shows uh this young lady it shows that the label's still on there <laughs> uh, or the cap the caps are still on there how does it not arc? um I guess it's all completely contained, so it doesn't arc. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, did did they put a price point on this thing? There is no price point. Yeah. You'll have to, you know, stay tuned. But it will be available in a, in a custom color option. So I mean, you can custom tailor it to your decor in your in your um, in your domain. And let me tell you, kind of nice. Yeah, let me tell you what. I, yeah, I don't. Is that really gonna? fit in my microwave no way the microwaves no way the thing's huge maybe it's meant for anyway bill you don't seem like you're an early adopter it meant no and you know what i don't you know it's uh we don't drink enough wine to warrant a purchase or beer for that matter um i'll just leave it there cool gadget though yeah well i i thought it would pique your interest because you are kind of a little bit of a gadget guy so but no no not so much no, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's got a, a no it's uh it's cool i mean it's interesting bill says no right. yeah well 16 we'll and 32 this. oh they're all they have tumblers i didn't see the tumblers Oh yeah, you can put all kinds of stuff in there. It says, uh, it says you can put uh, three you can tumblers. put cans in there. It says so. I guess there's no problem no, with the metal. I guess so. <laughs> we'll see. I would have loved to see that demoed at uh, CES. Yeah, yeah, that would have been pretty awesome. I wonder if this is the young lady that was demoing it. So, or quite, probably something similar to that. Quite yeah. possible. So, uh, well, um, we started off light, light there. Um, I suppose we could get into something that's a little bit more serious. And uh, that's these uh, ridiculous fires that Australia, these bushfires that are going on in Australia. Um, you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that um, this has been happening. Um, there's all kinds of... Uh, <sighs> There's, there's been like all kinds of pictures that are out there. Um, it's hard to really get a bead on exactly what's going on um, when you look at it from the aspect of, uh, when you look at it from an aspect of wine country, you know, I mean, you know, you get this feeling that, oh my gosh, the whole entire state of Australia is on fire and their whole wine industry is going to be done. 
you know, in actuality, it's almost like the same thing that happened to us during the Tubbs fire. Sure, there's a lot of fire and there's a lot of smoke, but it really affects very few vintners, um, you know, as far as their structures and as far as uh, their winemaking. It's, you know, it's a, it's a small amount of people that are affected, but it does put a, a damper on the tourism industry. And what they're going through in Australia is they're in the height of their tourism season right now and having these fires. So everyone's seeing the fires and going, well, I'm not going there. I'm canceling my my trip. So there's an article by um, what's this young lady's name, Rebecca Hopkins. And she talks about um, she's an expat from Australia and she's talking about um, how difficult it is uh, to see this happen. But these bushfires are a common phenomenon in Australia every summer, just as fires for us have become a common or have been and always been actually a common phenomenon in um, our summers. Uh, she says a couple things, you know, try not to, um, uh, you know, try not to be voyeuristic. And I mean, because there's all kinds of distressing videos that you can see of. Yeah, you know, animals that have died or in pain. You know, I mean, all of that stuff is it's pretty gory, if you ask me. But it, it's out there. That's what I took and, most uh, away from all of this. Is uh, so one, there's um, you know, a list of where you can help. There's a couple of places that that do that. The other thing I got from this is like just you know, don't succumb to the sensationalism around the fires. It's sort of the yeah. uh, you know, it's sort of the same thing here. I mean. Right after the Tubbs fire, there was a whole, you know, you know, people were coming up, looking around, looking at all the destruction, disaster, tourism. So it's like, you yes. know, just, you know, it's the same, it's the same symptoms of, you know, the symptoms It's the same sort of thing as slowing down on a highway to take a look at an accident after it happened. I mean, you know, you see that every day. So it's just like, stop that. <laughs> Knock it off. You know, yeah, knock it off. Yeah, yeah, and I and I I agree with that. I mean, yeah. it's just it's it's great to see people. I mean, the the part that's scary to me is most of these fires are happening. Um, they're all kind of near the near the coast because I guess that's where a lot of the new fuel is. Oh, and you know you have these pretty reasonably sized cities that are on the coast, and these people are like, well, where do you go? They're like running to the beach. You know, and there, there. You see these pictures of people on the beach. You see the 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 air quality is just like well, it's ridiculous, be bad. Yeah. But you see them on the beach, and you know, the authorities are saying, "Well, hey, if the fire starts coming this way, you know, start swimming." Yeah, I know. I I was just about to crack a joke. What do you <laughs> swim? But instead yeah, of run, that's, that's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So and there's it, lots I, of ways to donate, and it was. Ten you can, you can go. There's all kinds of ways to donate, yeah. and it's kind of the same thing. Like as Bill said, uh, here in Sonoma County, we had the we had the same thing, and you have to realize that I, I think more than it's not it's not really a wine related issue. Actually, it's more of a climate change issue, and uh, they had the hottest. They've had the hottest summer. This summer actually has been the hottest summer to date in Australia. And I saw last week one of the the average temperature last week in, in one of these regions. I can't remember which region it was. Was 107 degrees. Now, that's the average temperature. You know, that's night and day. That's pretty hot. 
so you have those temperatures and you have some you have some fires going and uh that's a pretty miserable thing so if you, if i lived in that area if i had the wherewithal i would just leave you know I'll, I'll be back next month but you know a lot of people their their business is affected they can't uh do commerce i mean it's it's really a tragic tragic situation yeah and it's big really big 10.3 million hectares have burned yeah yeah it's a it's a large area it's 275,000 acres yeah massive yeah don't you know go out and buy some Australian wine yeah that's a good idea that's that's what I would say and they're gonna need a lot of that just like we have in Sonoma County I mean we've had that we've gone over this ad nauseum about how businesses are, are affected and over the last I mean our last podcast was maybe a month and a half ago I think but just since that small amount of time there's been a number of businesses that have closed and it's all indirectly related to the fires that happened last year amazing so uh, uh, I guess we could get on to something that's going to affect all of us um, in the near future although we don't know what the effects will be um, our current administration is having a uh, uh, a hee-haw with um, the EU the uh, European Union uh, regarding subsidies that they are giving to um, their airlines industry um, that are harming our airline industry i.e. Boeing so the way that our administration has decided to uh, deal with this is to threaten 100% tariffs. Now, I, I, I think it's a little bit of a, a yelling and a t- temper tantrum thing. I'll say from the get-go that I don't think that we're going to be looking at 100% tariffs for these products. It's mainly um, luxury goods, i.e. wine, purses, cheeses, um, you know, it, it's a long list of things. And the idea that you know our current administration would put in a hundred percent tariff is 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 not fathomable but it has really stirred up a hornet's nest with all the producers producers here and producers over in europe because if this actually were to happen you're looking at you know that $14 $14 bottle of Rasto that I was just talking about, the $15 bottle of Rasto will be $30 in the next several months. So that is making people crazy. And it's reverberated all the way from producers, importers, wholesalers, uh, restaurateurs, and the consumer, us. So um, we got a couple of articles out. Um, the first one was by um, Alfonso uh, Chevala. He's been in the industry forever. He does a really good breakdown of how it's going to affect the producer. You know, <laughs> what what should you do right now? Basically, take a look at your inventories. Yeah. Um, oh, you got to start at the be- well, you got to start at the beginning. Of this one, Al. <laughs> No, no, no. So it's so awesome because he says, you, the producer, and he says, from the look of things, many producers are on the slopes right now skiing. New year, old habits. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, they got their priorities right. Ah, tariff, schmariff. <laughs> well, that's what farmers do, man. They've worked all year. Yeah, They've sold saying. their stuff. 
They got paid. It's time for a vacation. Yeah. Um, that's just, that's what it's called. It's farmer's flights, man. That's what it's called. Yeah. It's so so funny. He's saying basically out for producers. He said, Hey man, take a look at your inventory. And, uh, you might want to, uh, look at your market timing again and, and see what's going on here. And, uh, figure out you know what's going on yeah well he's also he's also so when i read this article a couple of things came to mind so one is just how he he as al was saying broke everything down in terms of the the distribution or life cycle of wine so it's everybody everybody involved to getting the bottle to the consumer and how 100 percent tariffs will affect them um he also points out these you know you know the world's changing and you know his i specifically um you know as an example you the producer he breaks everything down in a paragraph so this is almost like a business analysis number four is if if you have family or associates in places like south america other places unaffected by the proposed tariffs start shipping bladders of your wine there and then let, let them finish when i read that i'm just like huh is the UK going to be considered the EU now that Brexit's happening? And and if they're not, that could not only, it, a lot of things could happen. Imagine if there were no tariffs or very small tariffs between the US and the UK for wine. UK could be the new center of wine for Europe after they do a deal with the Europeans. So they could get wine into England at a low cost or from tariff and then back into the u.s and anyway i'm just saying that there's a lot of interesting things that could happen here i like how he was talking about that in the article um you know well i i i think that's a i think that's a valid point that he brings up um i mean talk about getting into a thorny issue brexit you know everyone is now like oh well yeah it's gonna happen i still don't think it's gonna happen I don't mean to bring Brexit up, but I mean, it's just as an example. It's like, holy smokes, what the heck? It's been, what, three years with this Brexit thing? And now that, uh, you know, the man in charge, uh, what's his name, Uh, (laughs) Boris? Bojo. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's like, I've got it all under control now. They still have to negotiate with the EU. There are so many things that need to be uh, figured out. And, uh, you know, that exit is not it's it's not done yet. I mean, it's 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 a long way from being done. But the crazy thing about this whole thing is the er the uncertainty of it. And what bothers me more than anything is how it's played out on social media. I mean, you have the president that tweets out that he's going to do 100 percent tariffs on, um, you know, wine from France because, of uh, you know, they're messing with the. the internet companies with their tax and, you know, the Boeing. I mean, we're going to, I'm almost speechless. We are subsidizing, we are potentially subsidizing Boeing. We're talking about a company, allegedly, that is making airplanes that don't fly very well. And, because their airplanes don't fly so well, they had a, an entire fleet of a certain type of airplane, the MAX uh, 747, has been grounded worldwide. Yeah. We're subsidizing that company 
for making something that's not usable. No, well, I mean, it's the, no, it's the akin to uh, it's the akin to an automobile manufacturer having a um, a significant defect in the vehicle that leads to fatalities and then covering it up. And and um, no di- no different than Volkswagen um, manipulating the the tests and the computing platform on their cars to crank up their mileage, their MPH rating, which was complete fraud. Um, and our, our administration, our current administration is asking us, the taxpayer producers, all the people along the line in a totally unrelated industry to foot the bill to help them get their stuff right, to give them more money. Yeah. I, I you know, I do think, I, I agree with you. I don't think this would be, well, I don't know. You know, um, The um, if the president tweeted 100% tariffs, uh, you know, I, it, that might happen. <laughs> it just might. So happen. The point is, there's no telling what could happen. Because, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean in no terms, what our, yeah, in terms, of yeah, there's no telling what our administration would would do or is going to do. Yeah, uh, my problem with you know with this being played out over social media is that in days gone by. You know, this is the whole thing about diplomacy. You know, you do this behind closed doors. Yeah. You work this out. It's you go, different now. This is what you do. You go in. That, that's that's why you're a diplomat. It's called diplomacy. You get behind closed doors and you bang each other's heads and bash each other's heads in. And then everyone uh, leaves the room thinking that they got something. That's how it's supposed to work. But now the way it is, it's all sensationalized. It's, on, it's all in the open. Hey, I'm just going to, you know, this is what we're going to do. And it makes people crazy more than anything. If you're a distributor, man, tell me, Bill, tell me, how could you not be freaking out if you're a distributor of wines from Europe? There's no way that you could handle that tariff. You can't handle something costing twice as much. I mean, you because what happens is you buy, you go over, you taste, you say, I want this. You go through the approval process, blah, blah, blah. You've already got wines in containers coming over. When that wine hits the dock, you have to pay the tariff on it. So you're like, yeah, I'm going to pay the tariff. I'm paying the 25% or whatever it is online. Could you imagine adding another 75% to that? It'll bankrupt anybody. Oh, I don't. It, pockets. But is that going to, is it going to be, is it going to be 125% tariff? I don't know. It's I mean, it, due once it, it hits the dock. And my point is yeah. that that you have to pay that as a wholesaler. You have to pay that right when it comes in. Oh yeah. There's no. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no, no time. Yeah. No, you, know, you, you, you no, It's due. Yeah. <laughs> the government. So that's what well, it, you're not getting your what, goods unless you pay your tariff. Let's just say it that yeah, way. Yeah, it'll just sit there on the dock, yeah. and then you got nothing to sell. So yeah. you got to pay it. And that's that's really uh, that's that's very disturbing, and you know that'll put a lot of the smaller distributors out of business. That's why we see this consolidation going on. A lot of the larger wholesalers will be able to swallow up that cost if they choose to. And, but the bottom line is the wine that you're paying. I'm going back to it. That fifteen dollar resto is going to be thirty dollars, and I'm telling you, you know, there's a lot of people that are just going to go. Oh, I don't think so. I'm not paying thirty dollars for uh, something uh, that you know, a month ago I paid fifteen dollars for. Yeah. You know, as a consumer, yeah. you, you you're going to be reluctant to do that. I would certainly be reluctant to do that. Yeah. It'll have a chilling effect on on uh, 
wine consumption for sure, especially out of Europe. No doubt about it. So do you think it's going to happen or not, Bill? I think it's going to happen. I think there are going to be additional chairs. I just don't think it's going to be 100%. I think it's probably going to be another 25%. Yeah, I don't... Um, I do... Um, there's a the, there's also a Wine Searcher article um, that that you had sent and posted that talks about um, the opportunities around this. So yes, certainly there's doom around Europe, but there are um, I, this is more this is this article in terms of opportunity and whether or not these 100% tariffs go into effect even if you know the article points out tariffs already exist they in fact they they are lopsided from the United States into Europe and what I mean by that is there are higher tariffs on um, a wine coming into Europe from the United States than there are wines coming from Europe into the United States this could be this could actually be some short-term pain for long-term gain, meaning that we could have a better tariff or a smaller amount of tariffs after negotiation going back into Europe. If I remember correctly, when I lived in the UK, there was a 50% tariff on wines from the United States into the UK, to the point that I did not buy wine from California. It just, it in the UK. Now, it was a different time. Wines weren't as available as they are today. So there, there could be, you know, there could be some benefit there. Um, you know, American consumers, you know, America. If your business in the United States is focused exclusively or primarily on wines from from Europe, uh, you need to go source wines from other regions right now. That's what I'd be doing to mitigate the risk. So I have fifty percent of my business from Europe. I need to replace that from wine from somewhere else. There's plenty of other wine regions that you can fill that void with, um, and provide more interesting and different diversity to your existing customers. And American consumers will switch if they find a comparable product at a better price point. They will buy it. It's just you got to do the education. So there's opportunity. I mean, and the businesses that are going to be able to pivot are the ones that are going to be able to survive if this goes into to effect and, and still try to maintain some, you know, good relationship that when it comes back on, maybe your business can grow because of that in a bigger way. Anyway, I think you have to have that attitude if you're a small business <laughs> or you're just going to go with the doom scenario, which is you can't do that. Well, I, I agree with everything that you said. Um, if you if you own a business, you know basically you're you're hitting it, rebalancing your portfolio. Yeah, you know it's like it's like um, if you're in the if, if you're invested in your in the stock market, you know it's it's just making sure that you got eggs in a bunch of different baskets. Yeah. Um, the problem with that, as far as a as a, a dis, on a dis, distribution level. Uh, let's just say wholesale. We'll just do wholesale. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's just say I have. Forty uh, percent of my stuff comes from Europe. Okay, I, I'm not going to do European stuff anymore. I'm going to go to South America. I'm going to go to Australia. I'm going to go to other areas to get these wines. The problem with that is the switching over part. 
you know, there's a lot that goes into uh, distributing. So it's it's first of all, you got to find the product, which means you have to invest in going to the areas to pick up producers, which in itself is an exhaustive thing. Then you've got to put the deals together. Then you've got to order the stuff and have it shipped over. It's not easy to turn around. It's almost like uh, it's almost like a huge boat trying to make you know a drastic turn it's 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 incredibly um exhaustive and, a, and it's a long process in the process you're spending all these extra resources to to bring on new products you're trying to get rid of the old product that you have you've got to retrain or retrain your sales crew to go out and and push these products you know it could be a year Oh, I, yeah, I, I think that that's, yeah. And you're dealing with the uncertainty of whether it's even going to go through or not. You don't even know. That's the problem is the uncertainty of this. Yeah. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know how much of a tax it's going to be. That's what's freaking everybody out. Yeah. Well, And that's where I go back. My, yeah. my original thing is like, uh, you know, are you going to make decisions based on what could happen, what might possibly happen? Or are you going to wait till things happen and then make a decision on what you're going to do? Yeah. If you're a small guy, you're going to essentially be, you're going to have to make some drastic changes if you're a small importer. Yeah. And some of these people are looking at whether I'm going to even be in business anymore. Am I going to continue to do business? Yeah. In a, as a, in the case of the, yeah, yeah. In the case of the small importer, I think if you're really small, that's the question. Am I staying in business or not? And if I am, then I'm going to have to completely pivot to a new region, which, you know, I got to figure it out. And that's going to be an investment. So, you know, maybe I can break even selling down the stuff I've got, but you know, I've got, as you pointed, as you rightly pointed out all the stuff that or correctly pointed out all of the things that you would have to do to sort of bring another uh, other regions online or replace what exists. And I think if you're, you know, if you're at the point where you could do that, it's 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 a question of when. And I would and I would argue that you don't have time. You've got to do it now. So yeah, I think you'd have to look at that as I'm going to need it, if I have the capital to do it, I can make the investment or if I don't, I'm going to have to go get investment somewhere. Because you can't, you this know. Is, uh, I mean, it's gonna. This is a quote. Yeah, it's gonna put it. I'm sorry, that mean it. No, I mean, I'm just saying it's. You know, in if you study economic theory, these types of programs don't work. Um, and what I mean by don't work is they actually have a, a negative effect in in terms of the overall market. It causes the market to contract. It's, it and I'm just you know. Well, I'll have something theory. to add to that, um, and I agree with you. It does hurt businesses uh harman skernick which is a a a big importer of um, wines from europe they're headquartered in san francisco uh, new york and i buy a lot of their wines they employ 180 people nationwide Um, 25 of those are in california they sell to restaurants stores you know they're you know it's a a pretty big importer um 60 of their portfolio are european wine companies and uh, he says that uh, if the, if these tariffs go into effect, we're going to have to retrench. Uh, quote, if we have to cut 60% of our revenue, we have to lay off people. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's the facts. You know, yeah. if they want to stay in business, they'll just have to lay off people. And and he's that's a pretty big company. 
that's a that's a, a pretty big importer. So there's tons of little small importers that they're not even going to have they're not even going to have that option. Um, owner of uh, Florissant Selections, um, they import wines, mostly French wines, for the Bay Area. Uh, she says that uh, after October's increase, she was able to negotiate reduced prices with her suppliers, and then she absorbed part of the cost herself. But to shoulder a 100% increase, no one has those kind of margins. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, she just, she's basically, she says, um, you know, hers is a tiny business. Yeah. She's got three part-time employees. She said to pay the duty when the wine passes through customs would bankrupt me. I mean, she's done. So this is what we're looking at. I and mean, this is, and this is why people are panicking. Because it's it's you know if this were to actually happen and like I said before I don't think it's going to be a hundred percent but it's going to have a significant I mean we're talking about people I'm closing up my shop oh so I yeah I mean it's you know the uh, so one of the which article was it it's the Opportunity Knox article has a quote from uh, Jeremy Lefcourt um, and he points out that during the thirties. There is a piece of um, federal law called the Smoot-Hawley Act. Mm-hmm. And so Smoot-Hawley put a bunch of tariffs on 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 luxury goods, if I'm not mistaken. And it it <laughs> it led to a global downturn of a of 65 percent global downturn in in global trade. So just that it would just crush the economy. Um. And yeah. I think that was only a 48% tariff. So it was a very similar construct. Now, I've also heard, I've heard this book, I've heard this in the discussion about this. Um, I think it was an NPR um, interview, you know, sort of a compilation interview of different economists and other people on this. The, the, counter, the counter discussion to this right now is everything's different. It's a different time. Um, in terms of sort of how we're connected and it won't last that long even if it's imposed and everything could be better so there's a there's no doubt that if 100 percent tariffs are imposed I, th- I think you can argue that there's it's pretty clear that the effects are going to be pretty significant in in, in especially in the wine business um let's hope it's just a bunch of rhetoric um yes and I think it is. I think I, I truly think that's what's happening. I got one more example here, Bill. I mean, these are people that are in business. This is um, yeah. I mean, uh, you're talking about people who are just gone. Like if this gets signed into law, like tomorrow, the, like the last person you just talked about, they they're not they they're they're unemployed, and so are three other yeah. people, <laughs> just gone. It's true. I mean, it's a very serious thing. There's an importer uh, from Oakland, um, Kristen and Ted Talley. They own uh, Terra Firma Wines. Yeah. They uh, already had a container of wine in transit from Europe. The shipment was valued at 200000 So Terra Firma was slapped with a $50,000 fee that it couldn't have even anticipated when it made the order. So, you know, wine shipments from Europe travel, oh. uh, you know, via – to get to the West Coast anyway, container. they go by boat. Um, via the Panama Canal, and it takes a couple months for the stuff to get here. But once it uh, once it hits land, they have to pay that tariff in one week. They've got one week to pay that fee. Yeah. So they don't see their wine. 
So, I mean, basically, their quote is, the 100% tariffs, I just don't know how we would survive that. I mean, this is echoed by distributor after distributor after distributor. I don't know if you ever, if you read the Jason Haas, um, he said a lot of these uh, distributors, wine wineries, I mean, everyone in the business is saying, this is a very bad idea. <laughs> Everyone's saying this. a bad idea. You know, these are legit. I mean, not just Cal, you would think if you were a California winer, you'd be like, ah, 100% tariffs on European wines. Ah, that's great for me. More wine I can sell. That's not the case. Because yeah. they have to buy wine. They have, they have to move their wine through the distribution channels that are already established. So if distributors go out of business or are crunched, that means their business is going to be significantly impacted as well. And that's why they're all against it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, meanwhile, the tech companies are like, yeah, tax those people. <laughs> they're taxing us. <laughs> I think the tech tax was, uh, uh, the tariff on the tech companies was, what is it, 10%? Yeah, it was yeah, something like I don't remember. Out? I don't remember. Well, this was yeah. the uh, this was the French. The French were uh, they have like some information technology tax or something. I mean, I mean, let's face it. The EU's just irritated that they're not getting more money out of of Google, Facebook, yeah, Amazon, and Netflix, well, I, and Apple. Well, I see. They're What's kind of cool about Macron is there, there's no, there's a whole bunch of silence on their side. Um, he said, well, you know, we're going to do something, but they haven't said what they're going to do. We're the ones that are piping up and making all our administrations, making all the noise. And it's, it's really, you know, oh, well, it, so, it's got everybody on pins and needles. Yeah. So France imposed a digital service tax. It's a 3% tax on any firm with more than 750 million euro in global uh, revenue and mm -hmm. 25 million euro in France. So, you know, <laughs> Trump's like, okay, 100% on anything coming out of France. <laughs> classic, classic. And everybody's unhinged. I know, man. People are is, freaking out. This they, is got, the whole... Look at these people. They're flying, they're flying to Washington last, last week. All these importers and retailers are all flying to Washington to get in on this hearing to get their, you know, to, to speak. Please, people, I mean, go, this is a big deal. go watch some reruns of The Apprentice. Please. <laughs> the guy that runs that show is the president. He is, he is just, he's got, a, we have a live version of The Apprentice in Congress right now. Yeah, They're going to really vote do. him off the island, maybe. And it won't matter. He'll just be back. I'm telling Next you. Week. Yeah. Next don't worry about it. He's, don't worry about it. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. you know, my teenager was like, I'm going to get drafted last week. And I'm like, no, nothing's going to happen. Take it easy. Just calm down. <laughs> nothing's going to happen. He wants, he wants you exercised. I mean. Hey, did you see that? Did you see the video that I sent you? Yes. The, the, the YouTube video? Yeah. The guy uh, from, in Denver. Yeah, yeah. With the guy, they did like a spoof of what could happen when you come in to buy your wine. Yes. Yeah. That is fantastic, man. That's like, 
the guy's like, eh, yeah, why it was $12. I don't know if I want to pay $28 for it. You know, it's that, it's that, that whole thing. But I mean, like you said, Bill, and I agree with you, it's I, a I, bunch I, of, it's a I, bunch of, bunch of, uh, buffoonery here going on basically it's it's all it's all puff and but i do think there is going to be a tariff it's just not going to be 100 percent because may, yeah, maybe the other thing the last thing i had to say there's an election in november <laughs> yes vote yeah, with yeah. your glass <laughs> or yeah, bring it to the exactly. vote. bring it bring it to the vote well yeah. played my friend uh, well played like uh, you know it you would be an stupid. I like. Why would you do? It would make no sense to do a hundred percent tariff. Now, I'm certainly. I think it's fun to run around and, um, you know, carry that carry that stick. Well, it's unfortunate that the wine industry is uh, hit with this because they don't really have the power, the lobby power that obviously the airline industry has <laughs> they don't have the lobby power oh God, no. but um i tell you what it would be interesting i mean let's flip it around and let's do 100 percent tariffs on all uh automobiles and trucks that come from europe imagine how that would play out so instead of paying seventy thousand dollars for your bmw now it's a hundred and forty thousand dollars i mean it's the same thing but well, i mean I if you really the, want it yeah I, well, if I you think really that, want to get something done, why don't you pick up even a bigger hammer? Yeah, well, and, and, and to that point, Trump's already had success with the Chinese around tariffs. So, yeah. um, I mean, to the point where, you know, I, I haven't seen or, or uh, uh, understand what's been agreed to yet. I'm pretty sure it's out there. But, I mean, there have been some changes at, in at least, you know, um, at least the Chinese are talking. Let's say it that way. So you know, in terms of um, you know, n- negotiation at a global scale, you know, Trump's probably thinking it's like, hey, this Trump stuff or the tariff stuff gets people to the table, gets what I want. So you know, and and we all know that the more sensational you can make things today, the more people pay attention. So that's why we hear things like hundred percent tariffs. You know, it's no, it, in the, in the age of instant communication or continually being connected, you know, the loudest shouts are going to get the attention. Trump figured that out. Figure that out. I don't need the media. I can go right. I can, I can, I can talk to, I can talk to the Ayatollah directly on my Twitter feed. I don't need no diplomats. I, I agree. I agree with you there that he's, he's getting, um, you know he's getting a lot of play. I'm not saying the, the, I agree with it in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying people just you know you gotta don't be re- you're, don't get unhinged over this stuff. It's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. The 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 minuses I think and that and that's where the point lays when you say don't get unhinged. I think people are already starting to make moves in anticipation of something that they don't even know what's going to happen. And I think it's already put a damper on the industry in general. Uh, one thing I can say that's a positive is that it's happened. It's happening at a low point for business because you know January, February. Yeah. It's a little you know obviously the biggest time of the year would have been November and December. 
So it's happening at a time when sales are, are, are leveling out. Um, I just don't see, I haven't seen anything where we're actually negotiating directly with the French government. I will say that your point that there's been some movement as far as China goes, we don't know what that movement is. That scares me because we're the one that's saying there's some movement. I think what's happening is the administration is saying, okay, this is an election year. We probably want to ratchet it down a little bit as far as our the rhetoric goes with China. Because, I mean, let's face it, we, we have that going. We've got this impeachment thing going on. Let's, you know, let, let's, let's pivot and move, move in a different direction with regards to that. And I, I think that's going to be beneficial for the wine industry in general. I don't see them wanting to put a big, you know, another stick in the eye of people that are, like you said earlier, you alluded to, that are going to be voting. Yeah. Know? Let's just kind of keep it the way it is, you know? Yeah. I, it, there's just there's just no benefit for anyone to go to the it's like the nuclear option in terms of trade and it doesn't yeah. make any sense it's certainly you know um I, the other thing i'll say this is a trump pattern it's a trump pattern all throughout it's a classic negotiating technique i'm going to start so far out of bounds that by the time we get done yeah. negotiating i'm going to be exactly where i want to be and and because i present this sort of you know, nuclear option position, and I've demonstrated that I'm willing to sort of go to those lengths um, in terms of negotiation. I'm starting in a very favorable position from a negotiation standpoint. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like pulling a gun. Are you going to shoot that gun? Really? Bang! Oh, okay. <laughs> I get you're serious. So, um, but you know, and to to your point, what and you know, we sort of. Um, you know, just hammer this home. The uncertainty that this causes will have a short-term negative effect, and I think that short-term, I personally think that short-term negative effect could actually impact the election because if you look at the research data in the election, in the terms of in the terms of the economy, there is a growing body of evidence that American voters, when they vote in November, <laughs> What the state of the economy was in April, the year of the of the election, is how they think about the economy um, throughout, uh, up and up and including until they vote. You know what? I need a drink. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I need it's a, a bit drink. Early, but I'm almost ready for a shot of whiskey. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, damn. And I, when I said drink, I wasn't thinking a glass of wine or a beer. <laughs> Hey, uh, real quick, did you see that McPhail's uh, yeah. threw in the towel? Yeah, but you know, you know, it's it was super. Yeah, I did, I did, and and so that's a local winery here in in our um, in our um, um, sort of food wine maker space called the Barlow, big retail space. But Al, it's very interesting. Um, you know, we talked about this when the Barlow opened. That you know, going to be really hard to put a retail business in where you got to do a bunch of build out. Yeah. So you get an empty yep. space and you got to build it out. Well, guess what? All of the people that have turned over into spaces where somebody else built out first, they're doing okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. That, you know, that, that first nut of 150, 200,000 where you got to put stuff in there, you know, that makes a big difference, man, man. when you're making those payments. Yeah. Makes a, a big a, difference. Anybody? Hey, I'll correct you real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, McPhail's. Uh, is not a local winery. 
you say, Al, what do you mean it's not a local winery? McPhail's is a local winery. Eh, I guess loosely you could say it's yeah, a local winery. Yeah, their tasting winery. room's local. Let <laughs> me say that. Mc, McPhail's is owned by Hess Collection. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Hess Collection is... Uh, big wine. Big wine. I'm not going to say that's local. Big wine. <laughs> Pretty big operation. Now, are they putting? So, if, if if Hess Collection decides to close up a shop, it's because they looked at the numbers and it's not penciling out, and they're like, "We're just going to do something else." Yeah. Well, yeah. Putting... they could afford to string it along if they wanted to, but obviously, that particular location was not making any source of revenue of significance, so they just cut it loose. It it was, um, yeah. Well, I'll be I'll be interesting to see what they what goes in there next which i think is already it's another winery isn't it it's supposed to be a tasting room okay um i have uh, i can't look at the article because i've exceeded my limit of things that i could uh look at on the press democrat i'm good i'm good yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah it's supposed to be a, a like a, a conglomerate type of uh tasting room uh deal and uh, it's called the region uh, next, are you in? Yeah. What's that? Okay. Yeah, I'm in. Um, uh, it's called the region. No, let me see. So yeah, next spring, I, there's I, another winery entrance. The region will be opening a unique wine venue next to next door to Golden State Cider. A weekly rotating winery from 25 participating small winemakers. Okay. They also have yeah. 52 wines on tap. Yeah, I think that's going to be a much better. Uh, yeah, it has a much better chance Way of better. Uh, making it. Uh, you know, a little bit more. Um, just, just more choices. You know, the the single. The, I mean, there's been a number of places have gone in there where it's just a, just a single winery trying to hawk their wares, and uh, I think it needs to be a little bit more expansive to make it. You know, it's obviously that that whole venue is, you know, they're trying to do a turnaround and get more stuff in there again, but there's still nobody in, um, there's a couple of big, uh, anchor places that are still empty. So, well, so, um, the former village bakery is about to open as acre pizza and then Redbird bakery moved their production facility in there. So they're sharing the space. Um, and the Zazu space is leased, um, um, no opening date yet, but they've got the whole thirty-six hundred square foot restaurant space. You know the? Do you know the Redbird Bakery story? No, no. Yeah, they were. I like they their made, bakery. They really good stuff. I like their, had their bakery. Stuff before, right? What's that? You've had their stuff before, right? You know, yeah, we we eat it often because my son goes to school not far from their um, current location. So, okay. I oh yeah. Got okay. Gotcha. It. Gotcha. Right there in yeah. Katadi. Yep. Yeah. Well, they were they were forced to move to Katadi because of the uh, the marijuana boom, which, by the way, is 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 fizzled out and is dying. So yeah, but they, they used lost, to be. Yeah, they used yeah, to be over by Hen House. Yeah, they used to be over by Hen House. Yeah, yeah, they lost their location because of that. That's a that's a, a marijuana spot now. I don't think it's completely finished and growing, but that's how they lost their spot. So <laughs> they ended up in a better up. spot, I think. Way better for their bakery. I mean, a way better. Yeah, yeah, they're in a better spot, but it's it's smaller. 
Yeah. So they they don't have the capacity. And then when when um, when Patrick uh, lost his um, bakery, uh, the Village Bakery, which was supplying, I mean, hundreds of yeah, restaurants, huge, and you know, uh, restaurants and and um, actually um, grocery outlets. Yep. When he lost his ability to make bread, that created this huge void. So people went to them to get their bread. And they had this big spurt, but they got this tiny little kitchen. They can't get it done. Yeah. So that's how they ended up moving into this, ideally moving into this other spot. Um, the jury's out on the Acre Pizza, but we're sorely in need of a good pizza parlor. Yeah. So hopefully that works out. So Acres um, Acres food at their coffee uh, coffee places coffee stores are is good um, for the most part. Yeah. Um, Sebastian. Okay, yeah, I haven't. Uh... Yeah. Um, it's good. It's it's really good. Now they were gonna buy. It's all inside baseball. Local business. Um, Acre Pizza was gonna buy crust from Redbird because I've had Redbird Pizza and it's it's good. It's not a traditional sort of Neapolitan or New York style pizza or California style pizza. It's more like focaccia. Focaccia. Yeah. I would say. Yeah pizza that's yes. how i would describe it um but acre said that they brought in a consultant and they're not going to use it now so i'm i'll be interested to see what their pizza's like yeah we'll see i hope i hope they make it i'll be interested to see what type of oven they have i mean i'm always focused on you know is this going to be a wood burning oven yeah. or are they going to just yeah. use like uh, you know traditional gas fired i mean yeah. what, what are they going to do so i mean that makes a huge difference massive how you actually Yes. You know, how, how actually you're firing it. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Sebastopol is in well in need of a good pizza parlor. If I was younger, I'd start one and do it right. But Yeah, you know, one. there's a lot of space <laughs> around here that you could probably get for cheap right now because it's not rented. Part of yep. it's probably built out already that you could, you know, you, so you could spend the money on the right oven, which I would argue is a, um, well, it's the same oven that the last Pizzolo had. In the Barlow, that big wood-fired oven with the ceramic yes. tiles. Um, I can't, I can't, I don't know the name of the, there's one specific manufacturer, I think, that makes those ovens. Uh, you might know, Al. Yeah, they're out of, they're out of Hillsburg. I can't think of the uh, name. Okay. It's uh, some Italian name. Yeah. But man, you put one of those in there, just spend your money on that and get your recipe right and, and, and make, you gotta, you gotta adjust this to Bastopol, which means it's gotta be a good value. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, you'll make uh, it. Mugnani, Mugnani yeah. pizza ovens. Yeah, I mean, you but made... I mean, those pizza ovens are. I mean, the oven alone is like friggin' twenty thousand dollars. I'm some That's ridiculous unfair. amount of money. Well, here's the but thing. they're handmade. You could probably find one. What happened to the one that was there? Exactly, it's somewhere. Somebody's <laughs> got that thing. Somebody's probably got probably it in their backyard. For, get it for a couple thousand dollars, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Anyway. And, yeah. <laughs> Just pipe. We should. Dreams. We should shut it down, Bill. We can. We're. We're really. Uh, we've yeah. I'm sorry. Super long. All it's right. Not been 45 minutes. I don't think. We, no, we've been an hour 20. So. Thank, thank you, everyone. Thanks. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> She's gonna. I'm gonna go take care of her right now. All right, good. And uh, cook her up and give her all the love for the whole day she's uh even on a football day i'll be going between uh, the between the football games and uh hey go niners yeah go this niners game, i'll be in the super bowl we'll see is that crazy or what yeah it's good 
I'm glad to it see it. It was pretty unstoppable to me, man. I yeah, watched they, the game. I, I turned it off about um, uh, midway through the fourth quarter. I mean, I didn't see any way that uh, Kirk Cousins was going to be able to come back. It was uh, it was a done deal. Yeah, I went I, down and did exercise. Yeah, when I, I when they beat the Seahawks, I mean, when the Seahawks couldn't convert at the end of that game, I'm like, yeah, uh, Spike, it, I'm probably looking good to go all the way. Yeah, they might, they might, they might squeeze in. If they squeeze in there, man, I don't, I, you know, I'm not bandwagoning here. I just like to see good games. Yeah. And last weekend, boy, there were some great games. Yeah. So hopefully there's a couple more good ones today. For sure. Anyway, uh, I got the avocados. Um, I've got the bean dip and uh, we're we're doing nachos. I don't know. I don't, I think it's going to be a beer day for me. Yep. Sounds like it. Coldies in the house. Right on. On that note. Hey, everyone. Yeah. Everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, Bill, how do they get a hold of us? So you can always hit Al up on the Twitters at Vino101net. Uh, uh, it's twitter.com slash Vino101net. Um, you can email us at info at Vino101. Um, you can find our podcast on Apple, iTunes, and your favorite podcatcher. And on that note, you can also post a comment on our blog at Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Ciao. Cheers.